The following message is from Grace on the Ashley Baptist Church, located in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information about Grace on the Ashley, visit graceontheashley.org. Father, again, we, we come in this place to honor and glorify your name. Father, we thank you for who you are and who you have revealed yourself to us being your children and how, Father, that you have granted your divine power to us for all things that pertain to life and godliness. Lord, what a wonderful gift that is, Lord, that we are not left here by ourselves, but we have you living within us, Lord, to, to lead us, to guide us, to teach us, to empower us to become the people that you have called us to be. And Father, we thank you for this great gift. And we thank you especially for the greatest gift of all, your Son, Jesus Christ, and his finished work on the cross. And Father, we thank you that your Spirit, that you have uh, granted to each of those who have com- has confessed him as Lord and Savior to our lives, that, Father, that we have that within us, Lord, to live the life that you have called us to live. And, Father, we thank you that through your Spirit that we can experience that divine love that you so graciously have showed us, and that 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 divine selfless love is within us. And, Father, that we have the wonderful privilege of being the conduit of that divine love to share in this dark and dying world around us. Father, help us all uh, look for opportunities that you so graciously grant us each and every day to share that love. Father, you bring people into our lives each and every day, Lord, that we can share the goodness and greatness of who you are. Father, help us to recognize those and take advantage of those opportunities that your name will be glorified in and through our lives. And, Father, we thank you for your written word, how it reveals uh, who you are and who, uh, what a mighty God we do serve. And, Father, we just um, come before you in unison as a family of believers, Lord, and praying for our brother Roger as he uh, prepares to open your word and to share your word. Father, we, we thank you that you have uh, anointed men like him, Father, to be a bold witness for you in proclaiming the truth of your word. And, Father, we we pray now that you will just uh, use his preparation and, most of all, use the power of your word of truth as he speaks it boldly, that, Father, it will go out in power and that it will go out as you intended. And, Father, it will be received as you intended and it will work in our lives as you intended. Father, for us here, we, we come from many walks of life. We've experienced many different things this week. And, Father, we just pray that your word, if we need, if we are, are failing you, have been failing you this week, which, which, which we all have, that, Lord, your word will convict us. But, Father, that it will also empower us and change us, and that we will not just be hearers of your words, but doers of your words also. Father, do that work that only you can do in and through us. And we'll do it all for your glory and your honor. And we ask these things in your Son's holy and precious name, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Thank you, Steve. I'm grateful to be before you again to open the Word of God. I have been asked to substitute for Pastor Greg, as you heard before. He is a United States Navy chaplain, and today he is undergoing his annual fitness test. Now, my understanding is, is that at 10.30, he was to begin the running portion of his test. So, looking at my watch now, that means by now he's either exhausted and half dead, or he's exhausted and half dead. <laughs> he mentioned that he would try to live stream this service when it was all over and that I should wave. Now, Pastor Greg, I don't do waving. I don't do that, but if you're listening in, uh, turn with us, please. In God's word, as we all sit at the Lord's feet to hear what he is to tell us. Turn with me, please, this morning to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, which is well known among Christians as the roll call of faith or the hall of faith, where you have the ancient or the, the former Jewish Christians, people who were Jews who had turned to believe in Jesus as the Messiah struggling with whether or not they should continue. And so the writer is urging them and encouraging them to persevere unto the end. And now in Hebrews chapter 11, he gives the names of all of those men and women in the Bible who are such great examples of living by faith. What does it mean to live by faith? So Hebrews chapter 11, and we want to begin with verse 23. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Let us pray. Our great God, you have spoken now through word. We pray that you would apply through spirit, your spirit, what we have heard. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Moses. Did I get everybody's attention? Does anyone here know who Moses is? Does anyone here not know who Moses is? Well, that's an easy question. Everybody knows Moses. Even people who would never darken the door of a church or a synagogue have heard of Moses and know something about him. Well, what do you know about Moses? Now, a few weeks ago in Easter time, Of course, the major networks show that famous movie, The Ten Commandments, and that's all most people know about Moses. What do you learn about Moses from The Ten Commandments movie? Well, he was a great man. 
Moses did cool stuff. He performed mighty miracles before Pharaoh. Moses lifted that rod and parted the Red Sea. Moses got the Ten Commandments and brought them down from Mount Sinai. Moses was a great man. Now, if that's all that you saw was that movie, that's probably what you would get. But that would not be very accurate, would it? Two things are missing. What's missing? First of all, the Lord. Who did all of that? It was the Lord working through Moses. Read Exodus chapter 15, which is the song of Moses after all that happened, and it's all about not Moses, but the Lord. But there's a second thing you'd be missing, and that is what was really the great thing about Moses. It's interesting, because when we come to Hebrews chapter 11, it doesn't talk about any of that. Instead, it points us to something that on the surface we would miss completely were it not for Hebrews chapter 11. Because Moses, Moses is a shining example of what it means to live by faith. Now, the Apostle Paul said, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said to the Corinthians, we live by faith and not by sight. But what does that mean? What does that mean in everyday language, in everyday life for you and me tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday? What does it mean to live by faith? And that's why Hebrews chapter 11 is written. Now, the example of Moses is very important for this chapter. Because if you read this chapter, a lot of these men and women did things that you and I can never do. I mean, really. Can you build an ark like Noah? Really? Have you been called like Abraham to leave everything, pack up, never come back again, live among tents in the desert, and then offer up your teenage son? Many of the things that are talked about in Hebrews chapter 11 seem far from our everyday experience. But what we just read about Moses comes much closer to the lives that we actually live. As a matter of fact, this is about Moses taking up a line of conduct that every single Christian has to take up in his or her form every day and every week to live the faith that God wants us to live. Now, I put before you this morning the greatness of Moses. And Moses is described here as being great because of what he refused. Moses gave up free of the hardest things that any human being can ever give up. Moses turned his back on the three things above all else that flesh and blood will never let go of. And I want us to see exactly what Moses refused 
for the sake of his soul and for the sake of the Lord today. Look with me now in verse 24. By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses, as a mature man, refused rank and greatness. Now, what did it mean to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter? You know the story. The Pharaoh had issued an edict to have all the Hebrew male children killed. Moses' family, his parents and his sister, hid him in the reeds by the Nile River. Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe during the day, saw the boy, took pity on him, heard him crying in the bulrushes, took him up and adopted him into her own family. Now you talk about being born with a silver spoon in your mouth. How about that? Pharaoh was the most powerful man on earth. As far as we know, Pharaoh's daughter was his only child. And many historians have said that had Moses continued, he would have either been Pharaoh's right-hand man or at Pharaoh's demise, he would have become the king of Egypt. And Moses turned his back on that. Now I ask what will people do to get a name? People will commit mass murders to get a name. People will climb Mount Everest to get a name. People will do almost anything to get their name in print or to get their name on television. People will waste their whole lives, expend all of their energy, work night and day, to be great at something, anything. Think what people will do to get a DR in front of their name. I can tell you what people will do to get a DR in front of their name. They'll spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and many, many years just for the privilege of rank and a title. Think of what people will do to raise their social status by social climbing. Why? To have all of that, to have nobility, to have a title, to have rank, to have greatness. Is there anything better than that? People expend their whole lives to get it. And Moses turned his back on it all. But that's not all. Moses did something else. What do we read? Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures. Moses turned his back on pleasure. Now, he lived in the most advanced nation in the world. The most learned men were in Egypt. The best artists were in Egypt. The most advanced culture was in Egypt. And Moses had access to all of it. More than that, he had access to any pleasure on earth that could be provided. In other words, 
he could have all the fun he wanted. And he could have it any time he wanted. Now think what people will do for that. People live for the weekends. Fun! Entire cities are built. Now I don't want to trash Orlando. Entire cities are built so people can go there, spend thousands of dollars to have fun. Whole ships are floating in the Caribbean as we speak that are advertised as the fun ship, the love boat. (laughs) Am I making this up? All right. Beardmore, you're being way too narrow. You're trashing people. What about you? I live in an active adult community. Do you know how they are advertised? Retire. Come here and have fun. You don't believe me? Go on the Internet. I did, just in preparation for this. It's true. People will work themselves to the bones their whole lives so they can retire and indulge themselves in fun. Moses had it all. And he let go. He had it. And he turned his back on it. It was there for his taking. And he refused. But that's not all. There was a third thing that the Scripture tells us he turned his back on. Verse 26. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Treasures of Egypt were his. Fort Knox, peanuts. You know about the pyramids. You know about the statues and the obelisks. You know about the tombs of the Pharaoh. Egypt was the wealthiest country in the world. France, China, Russia... The United States all combined peanuts compared to the wealth of Egypt. And it was his. And he let go of it. Now consider for a moment the power of money. Consider for a moment the power of money in your own life. Consider what you will do for money. It's challenging, isn't it? Why, if you want to make a million, I'll tell you how to do it. It's not hard. Write a book on investing. You don't have to actually make anything. Just write a book explaining to people how to make 2% more on their investment, and they will practically worship you. The power of money and wealth is something that many work themselves to the bone their whole lives to get. Moses had it all, and he let go of it. Now, this is remarkable. To let go of one of those three things is incredible. Two, unbelievable. All three, Moses let go of all three. 
and he let go of them at the same time. He did it all at once. He walked away from all of it. Well, you know, he was a young man, and you know how these crazy 20-year-olds, they make some pretty dumb decisions sometimes, and then they live to regret it. How old was Moses when he did this? Yes. Moses (laughs) had a reverse midlife crisis. You know, midlife crisis, by the way, it's baloney. There is no such thing. But anyway, if there was, when people have these experiences, do they deny themselves? No, it's the other way around. The way that you know somebody's having a midlife crisis is because they overindulge themselves and they do crazy things to make themselves feel good. Moses was the opposite. He did it. I know why he did it. He did it because he was forced to do it. No. Moses didn't do it rashly. He didn't do it impulsively. He did it deliberately, with forethought. He did it with his eyes open. He let go of the three most difficult things in life to let go of. But I want you to notice, secondly, the greatness of Moses, not just in what he refused, but what he chose in its place. Notice what Moses chose. It says in verse 25, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God. Now, he gave all these things up. Why? For what? To identify himself with a despised minority. Now, who were the Hebrew people? The Hebrew people were a million strong, and they were a slave race. Consider in our own country's history, would a southern plantation owner voluntarily walk away from it all and go to identify himself and live with and become a part of his own slaves. Unthinkable! That's what Moses did. He became a part of the Hebrew nation. Now, it's one thing to feel sorry for people. There are many who are wealthy who are philanthropists, and we thank God that they exist. Many worthy causes are funded by such people. And many underprivileged, underserved minorities are helped by these causes for which we give thanks. But how many of those philanthropists go to live and become those people? That's what Moses did. Those people had no prospects. Those people had nothing to give him. Those people, as far as the human eye was concerned, had no future except on the slave farms. And Moses chose that. Notice secondly, Moses chose suffering and affliction, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God. 
Now, he didn't just identify himself and live with the Hebrew people, but he entered into their pain and he entered into their suffering. You all know the story of how the Egyptians persecuted and oppressed the Hebrew nation. No nation in the ancient world that we know of suffered more pain, more affliction, more trouble than the Hebrew people. And Moses, by identifying himself with them and going to them, embraced it all. Now let me ask you a question. Picture a third grade class where the teacher decides to do an interesting exercise. Children, how many, let's do it, let's, let's talk about what you want to be when you grow up. Johnny, Johnny, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to grow up and be depressed. <laughs> Not quite sure to do with that, John. Mary, 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 Mary. What would you like to be when you grow up? I'd like to be worried and anxious. Uh, I don't know if this exercise is going too well. Um, uh, uh, Billy, Billy, how about you? I'd like to grow up and be oppressed and be persecuted and suffer. I don't think that teacher would get past Billy before she shut down that exercise. Moses embraced all of that. Moses was going to face fear, anxiety, worry. Did Moses ever get depressed and sad and upset? Did Moses ever get angry? Did Moses ever have to deal with infuriating people who, who, who forgot to thank him? No, they blamed him for how things were getting worse and how it was his fault. Moses didn't have to do it, but he chose it. But we're not done. The writer isn't done. There's a third thing that Moses chose that in some ways, for some of us, is the worst of all. Did you see it? Look in verse 26. He considered the reproach of Christ. Have any of you ever been called a name? Bullying is a big thing now. We've all experienced it, or most of us have. How did it feel to be called a name? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but if there anybody is there anybody here who actually believes that? That is the biggest bunch of nonsense. On the contrary, I can tolerate broken legs and broken arms, but you call me a jerk? You laugh at me and call me a moron? You laugh at me and mock me to my friends? You go on social media and you call me a slut? Do you know that the peak, the spike in teenage suicides is driven in part by that kind of thing on social media? I knew a guy once 
in my doctoral program in psychology, and do you know what his nickname was in his house? His father nicknamed him Dum Dum. How'd you like to grow up with that? This is a guy in a doctoral program in psychology. Scorn, mockery, being laughed at, being made fun of is something that even the strongest people can't take. But Peter, look at P Peter was ready to march in to the mouth of a cannon for Jesus. Peter took out his sword and struck off a slave's ear in the garden of Gethsemane. Peter was quick on the draw. He wasn't afraid of anybody until a lowly milkmaid said, You? You're part of that? You? <laughs> Peter folded like a house of cards. Who among us can tolerate to be thought of as joining a church that's a bunch of holy rollers? How many of you can't wait till they t say that about you? You're a what? A southern what? Yeah, I was at a church like that once. <laughs> Are you feeling me here? Moses embraced that. He refused the three things that people will do anything for. And he embraced the three things that people will avoid at all costs. He did it deliberately. He did it intelligently. He did it decidedly. And he did it without a Bible and without a church. Now are you beginning to see why more than one commentator has said that in the history of the world, no person has ever sacrificed more than Moses. Now here's what we want to ask. We want to ask why. Why would anybody do that? What, what would drive a man to it? Why would anyone make those choices? Well, can modern psychology answer that? Can't. Can modern medicine, can modern science put it in a test tube, test it, and say that's the reason? Nobody does it. Who else has ever done it? Science can't explain it. Well, can knowledge, can education explain it? Can a person be brought up in a church and nurtured by his parents, will that make him do it? And the whole answer of the Bible and the answer of Hebrews is no. There is only one thing in heaven and earth that can make anybody do that. And I don't know which is more remarkable, the greatness of that or the simplicity of it, because it's explained in one word. Did you see it? One word. Look at verse 24. By faith. By faith, Moses did that. What does that mean? Well, said the little boy, I know what faith is. Faith is believing something that you know isn't true. Now, now you see, Moses' faith 
was believing something that he knew was true, but he couldn't see. That's faith. Faith, well, you got, everybody knows you just got to have faith. No, that's not what's being talked about here. This faith is very specific. It's just not faith or faith in faith. It's faith in something, and especially it's faith in someone. Moses, by faith, did these things because he believed what he could not see. Moses believed by faith that he had a soul, that he wasn't just a body, that he had a soul. He believed by faith that his soul would live forever. He believed by faith that there was an eternity, an unseen world now, and a real world after death, and that that world was more real than this world, and he believed in the invisible God as being the true God, the only God, and the God who has spoken in his word. That's what Moses believed, and nothing else could have made him do it. Now, I ask you a question this morning. How did Moses get that faith? Didn't we say he didn't have a Bible like you and me? How did Moses get that faith? Did he get it by a vision in the night? No. Where does faith come from? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So how did Moses hear the Word of God? Well... Moses knew all these things because they were told to him by his mother. You remember the story. Exodus chapter 2. It's so good, i got to read it. Exodus 2. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket with Moses among the reeds and sent her servant woman, Exodus 2, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, Moses, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then the plan starts to unfold. Then his sister, Miriam ran up. She was watching from a hiding place and said to Pharaoh's daughter, I know somebody who can help. Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. Motherhood's not for me. I'll wait till he grows up. I'm not into diapers. I'm not into nursing. I'm not into these things. There's a Hebrew woman who knows how to do this. Go get her. And Pharaoh's daughter said, oh, so the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. Mothers, how would you like to be paid a full-time job to raise your children? It gets better. So the woman took the child and nursed him. Well, 
Okay, so she nursed him. I mean, how long does that take? How long does it take to nurse a child? I mean, what are you going to teach him from zero to one years of age? Read on. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses. Moses' mother homeschooled him until he grew up, and she got paid for it. Cool. Moses' mother told him about the Lord. Moses' mother told him about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses' mother told him about how God brought the Hebrew people down to Egypt in the first place. Mom, where did the Hebrews come from? Let me tell you where they came from. And she gave him a history. That was the history part of the homeschooling. Let me give you a history of how you got here. Moses' mother told him about the covenant that God made with Abraham to make a great people. And through that people would come a promised redeemer. And she was the one who told Moses about the coming Christ, the coming Messiah. He's going to come... He's going to deliver us from sin, death, and the devil and take us to heaven. And the time of the fulfillment of those promises, Moses, is starting now. And Moses believed his mother. Now, Mom, Dad, that's your faith. Why should I believe it? Moses' mother would say to him, Moses, look in the mirror. Where do you think you came from? How did you get here? Moses, your own life's history is the greatest illustration of God and the faithfulness of his promises of all. Do you believe in the power of God, Moses, to do the impossible? How do you think you got here? Let me tell you again about your sister and Pharaoh and me. Let me tell you that story again. How do you think that happened, Moses? Moses, how do you think it got to be me who was your teacher? And she would walk him through his own life's history, as you parents can do with your children, and say, how do you think, Johnny, that you are here this morning with me? How did you get a parent like me? Isn't God good? Isn't God powerful? That's what faith was for Moses. Faith, it says here, was a telescope. It says that Moses, back to Hebrews 11, did all these things because he was looking for the reward. Verse 26. Faith was a telescope through which Moses could look down the corridors of time and see what? Egypt was going to go kaput. All those treasures, all of that pleasure, all of that rank and greatness, what was going to happen to it? It was going to crumble into the dust. And what would remain? The kingdom of God, the new heavens and the new earth. He was able to see that by faith. 
He looked beneath the surface of things. What did reason tell him? Reason told him that pleasures were great. But what did faith tell him? Faith was an interpreter. It says that faith told him that these pleasures are the pleasures of sin. To indulge in them to an overarching degree and make them more important than the kingdom of God is sin. They come from sin, they lead to sin, and they'll end that way. And faith said they are fleeting. What felt good last night doesn't feel good this morning. Ask anybody with a hangover. Moses could see that that Florida suntan lasts about two weeks after you get back. A raise! You know, psychologists love to study the effect that raises have on people. That buzz that you get from that raise you got this year, according to studies, lasts how long? It'll last six weeks. Then it's gone. Eighty percent of people, when they are surveyed, believe that they will be happy if they get a 10% raise in their income. Lasts for six weeks. By faith, Moses believed the word of God and saw the fleeting pleasures of sin and the temporary nature of wealth. I ask you this morning, do you think what Moses did was right? Why do you think that? Well, let me ask you this. Where's Pharaoh today? Let me ask you this. Where is Pharaoh's wealth today? Let me ask you this. Do we even know where Pharaoh lived? No. We're not even sure of his name. How about Pharaoh's daughter? What's her name? Do you know who Moses is? Does everybody know who Moses is? Do you think Moses made the right choice? Now, let's apply this and we're done. All of this teaches, first of all, that you cannot be a Christian unless you make the same choices Moses made. Yes, no one is asking you to give up Fort Knox. No one's asking you to sell your business. No one's asking you. No one's asking me to give up the DR in front of my name. But the question is, what is God asking us to do? And if he did, would we do it? There was a rich young ruler once who had that opportunity. You remember, he was face to face with the risen Christ. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Only by the power of God can anybody do it. Today, we have large segments of the Christian church who believe that it is possible to serve God and mammon at the same time. You can have the world and you can have the Lord at the same time. As long as I say the right prayer at the right time and sign the right card, I can live any way I want. What did Jesus say? Unless a man deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. 
It's the same thing today with us as it was with Moses. And in principle, we have to be willing to make those sacrifices again and again and again. Have you ever been laughed at or thought ill of for holding opinions that nobody else did? You you believe the Bible? You believe creation instead of evolution? Dude, what school do you go to? You haven't lived until you've heard that. Are you willing to identify yourself with opinions that most people think are crazy? Are you willing to identify yourself and make choices to be with the people of God when most people don't. Now, I, we have a wonderful... Greg, Pastor Greg, I wish you could see, if you're live streaming, I wish you could see our wonderful congregation today. But I'm sorry you're a minority. Sorry. We are a minority. And we're made to feel that way again and again. How are we with that? Are you fighting your own sin? Are you wrestling with your own remaining flesh and tendencies? Are you working on that relationship that you wish you'd just let go? I I can't deal with it anymore. You see, these are the things that God calls us to when he says, take up our cross. It's not the exact decision Moses made, but it's the same kind of decision. And we cannot be on the road to heaven unless we enter in at the straight gate and proceed all the way to the end on the narrow way. Let's apply this again. What will make a person useful in the church? Well, we tend to focus, don't we, on gifts talents and graces. Oh, I just wish I had her ability to sing. I wish I had his ability to teach. Oh, if I only had his money, then I'd give more. Oh, why can't I be holy like her and a and a warrior in prayer? The secret to the Christian life has nothing to do with any of that. You see, what this teaches us today is that the whole secret to all of that is faith. Faith, faith, faith. The faith of Moses that will refuse, that will choose, and that will persevere, even though we can't see it now. Our church is going through a challenging time. There's been a sad Loss. Our brother Frank has gone to another field and we pray and wish him well. But now our church is having to make hard decisions. The next two Wednesday nights, we are going to be hearing and thinking and praying about difficult decisions, challenging courses of action. And the tendency of churches at these transitional times is to look and think like the world. Well, we've, we've got to get a church sociologist 
to tell us where the best places to grow are and the demographics of our area. We, got, we need a, 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 a consultant on church fundraising. Oh, if we could only have a new minister, you know, like the kind they got over there. The, the guy, and the wife does this, and he does that, and they, they do everything, singing, the preaching. Oh, we need this. If we could just get the right people. What would Moses say? Think, study, work, yes. Use means. But the future of our church depends on our faith. My faith, your faith. And we will only prosper insofar as we, like Moses, believed the God who we can't see. Believed that He has good, is good on His promises, that He can do the impossible, and that in Christ, by faith, He will bless us. And when we have that kind of faith, we, like Moses, will be blessed of God. I'd love to talk to Moses today. Moses, do you have any doubts? What, do you wonder, does Moses have any, you wonder if he ever had any doubts? Do you have any doubts? Moses, you're out here in the desert. You're ready to wring the necks of some of those people. Moses, do you ever have any doubts that you made the right decision? What do you think he'd say? Well, he'd probably say, actually, yeah, I have some regrets. I have some regrets. I killed a man. I regret that. Moses was a murderer. Forgiven, but a murderer. Yeah, I regret that I lost my temper. I blew it. I blew my lid, and God said, that's it. You're not going in. You're not going into the promised land. Sorry, Moses. You're going to heaven. You're a great man of faith. I'll let you see from Mount Nebo the whole thing, but you're not going in. I regret that. But doubts? No. Because I believed that whatever mockery I had was for the sake of Christ and that He will reward me. That actually is greatness in God's eyes. And yes, the life I chose was a difficult life in many ways. But God was there for me every day. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. And if I had it to do over again, I would do the same thing. May God give us the faith of Moses today. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are weak, and what we need to pray is the same prayer that the disciples prayed. Oh, Lord, increase our faith. Help us to live as seeing that which cannot be seen with the naked eye, cannot be put in a human test tube, and cannot be verified with human reason. Father, we trust you and your word and the Christ who has saved us. Give us the faith to live for you each day. In Jesus' name.